Grace and peace. How's everybody doing? All right. So first and foremost, um, I'm going to tell you off top. I don't like to spend a whole lot of time talking about me. You guys can ask me any questions after the fact. Um, I'm excited to be here. And I'm under the impression that some of y'all have heard about me before I came here. So now I'm like a little nervous about living up to the hype or whatever that means and so forth. Um, I'm uh, just real quick. I just want to tell you about 10, a little bit over 10 years ago, I went to my father. So I said, hey, you know, I'm being compelled and, and drawn to preach. My father's a pastor at the church where I'm at, St. Matthew Missionary Baptist Church. And the first thing he says to me, he says, be yourself. He says, don't, don't ever get up into that pulpit trying to sound like somebody else. So you know, this is what you're going to get. Now, I, um, I, um, I took notes. I, I outlined my sermons and so forth, not because I can't remember what it is that I'm preaching, but to kind of keep me on the rails because there's so much stuff in the text and there, and there's so much stuff. You know, some of y'all don't realize how much a preacher actually has to leave on the cutting room floor. And so I'm going to try to keep this as interesting as possible, to keep you engaged with it. I'm, I'm going I'm to try to do that, and it's only by the grace of God that that's going to happen. So having said all of that, let us go before the throne of grace. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your abundant grace and your extravagant mercy, Lord, that you have had upon our lives. We thank you for this word that you have preserved over the centuries so that we can open up the text and read from your prophets and from the apostles and learn of you, learn your will, learn of your character. Lord, we thank you for showing us who we are in comparison to your holy nature. And we thank you for loving us in spite of all of the wicked things that we have done, in spite of our rebellion, loving us enough to send your son into this world to die the death that we deserve to die thereby living a life that he had secured for us. And so, Lord, as we get ready to go into this text, I pray that you decrease me. Lord, don't let this be the T show. Let this be your show. Lord, be glorified in the preaching of your word. Lord, remove any fleshly hindrances, whether from me as a preacher or from the congregation as the hearer. Help us to take this word and hide it into our hearts so that we don't sin against you. Help us to apply it to our life. And Lord, let the listener and me, the preacher, be encouraged and know that we can trust you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are going to be reading in Second Peter chapter 3. And I'm reading, of course, from the, the ESV version. Tower likes to call that the extra special version. I call it the elect standard version. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Second Peter chapter three, verses one through nine. And real quick, before I forget, thank y'all for this opportunity. Thank y'all. This is, this is a wonderful opportunity. I just want to say to the people who put this together, um, I've been excited about this. I hope I don't screw it up. If I do, that's cool because then you'll know that, hey, there's nothing great about this guy. You know, I can be just like him because we all screw up together, right? Amen? Amen. All right, Second Peter chapter 3, starting at the first verse. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember 
the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perish. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with one, excuse me, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Now, this is the verse I want y'all to focus on right here. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And I want to talk today briefly about trusting God to keep his promise. Trusting God to keep his promise. See, we've had an interesting past couple of years. You know, we've had, of course, the COVID-19 thing in which many of us in here may have lost loved ones or friends, uh, lost jobs, lost homes because you lost the jobs, or, you know, we've had (laughs) the presidential election, (laughs) just the politics, even within the church, you know, what you found was this divide, uh, Democrats, Republican, you know, if, if you're Christian, you're going to vote this way, right? That's it's been an argument. There's been some division there. And then we've had these recurring stories of injustices and, and uh, the, the, the fallout from that, you know, just the, the, this, this growing tension with, with race relations. And again, even also has penetrated the walls of the church because now you have people who are, like so far on the right or so far on the left, but not too many that we see kind of balanced and kind of like waiting, trying to listen to each other and trying to find actual solutions. So now you got this, these people who are now, who are supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ, pretty much marking each other as unbelievers. All right. Now that's the stuff that's, those are the popular stories. Then we have like our personal stories. Stuff that may not have anything to do with any of the stuff that I just named, but maybe, maybe you got a spouse that's been cheating, or maybe, you know, maybe you're the cheating spouse, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe you got just all of these other traumas and dramas that's going on within your family, within your friendships, within your community. Maybe you're suffering from a different disease. People act like COVID is the only disease sometimes these days. Like, like no cancer still exists. You know, that's still there. And you're at this place where you feel like, man, honestly, what is this all for? You're probably feeling like your suffering is meaningless. Like there's no hope. And so I'm here to make the argument from scripture today that because God is consistent, we can trust him. Because of God's consistency throughout the ages, we can trust 
that he will take care of us and fulfill his promises. Now, in this text, I love how he starts this chapter. And I want to take some time to say real quick, there is an authorial intent. Peter has, he has an intention when he's writing this. He's talking specifically about the day of the Lord. I'm going to take this text and not read into it, but say that, hey, these things that he's talking about in regards to the promise of the day of the Lord can also apply in other areas in our lives. All right. So I want to make sure we're crystal on that. I'm not reading anything into the text, but I'm applying it to to many areas because it applies. All right. And he starts off by calling us beloved. This we who can trust him are the beloved. That's very important. It means something. It means something to be the beloved. We, we, as the church, have been bought with the price. We have been bought by the blood. You know what that tells me? It tells me that we're something valuable. Now, I know with, usually within reform circles, we, we kind of, you know, we don't like to talk, we don't like to put a little value on ourselves, because we recognize how sinful we've been. We recognize that, yo, we deserve nothing less than an eternal hell, right? But obviously, there must have been some type of value that God saw in his creation to where he say, let's save him. Let's save her. Because quite frankly, I know what I'm good for. I'm good for the fire, right? Not the fire that we sang about burning with the passion and being purified. No, I'm good for the fire that can, that, 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 of, ter- of torment. Right. And so when I take that, I have to think about certain stuff like the fact that worthless things like I don't know about y'all, but if there's something worthless in my life, I could care less if we toss it to be destroyed. We throw that thing into the fire. God rescues us from that torment. He rescues us from that fire. These we are the beloved Jesus says in John chapter 10 that nobody can snatch us from his hands. We're in good hands, like all state, but better, right? We're in good hands. And so to kind of solidify his point, Peter goes on to say, listen, I'm trying to help you guys remember some things. I want y'all to remember some stuff. I want y'all to remember the predictions of the holy prophets. And what was that prediction? And well, in the text, the prediction was, it's like there's going to be scoffers. Right? Where's the promise? That's what they're saying. Now, contextually, again, we're talking about the day of the Lord. He's like, man, he said he's going to come back. We don't see him. He must have lied. Here's the funny thing about this prediction that the prophets had. I can't think of too much of a time where there wasn't scoffers. You know, you can go and look back in some of the Old Testament texts, and they were being addressed then. Like, there was always an unbeliever who tried to make less of the God that we serve based upon their fallen perception of, in creation, right? And, and, and these, these scoffers, a scoffer is pretty much, it's, it's a tool of the enemy to be put in a place to shake your faith in the word of God. Look at the evidence. Huh? If there's sickness in this world, how can God be good? If there's death, if there's murder, if there's rape, if there's incest, how can God be perfect? How can, he created this world, and this world has all these imperfections. Those are the words of the scoffers. Not realizing that how can you call anything imperfect 
or bad unless you have this perfect standard to compare it to. You don't think about that. You know, their, 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 their perception, the perception is flawed. Contextually, Peter is talking about the day of the Lord. But what about when people ask, where is the promise of his presence? You don't have to raise your hands or say amen or anything to this, but like you ever just been in such a dark place, you kind of felt like God wasn't there? He was, he still is, but oftentimes there's some folks who vocalize that. Where was God when they were shooting up the school? As if he was somehow detached and not present. See, there was this promise even about his presence for the beloved. Matthew 28, 20, he tells us, he says, I'm with you always. He's always there. You guys know the whole footprints poem, right? Only someone said a footprints there. I was carrying you, my son, right? Y'all know that, right? It's a classic one. He's always there with us. And they say, well, all things are continuing as they were. But Peter says, man, you're deliberately overlooking this fact. What are they overlooking? For one, creation exists by the word of God. He spoke it into existence. Can you imagine how powerful you have to be to speak a beast into existence? Now, he formed man with his hands. But think about this. He said, let there be beasts. Scientifically, if you used to break down a beast to his barest cell, you know how much like work goes into that. Like, like there's, there's, that's power there. And by that same word, right? He judged the world. By that same word, he destroys the world because of the wickedness. Sins of deluge. He, 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 he floods the world. He pulls out some people that he elected. That's for my reformers in here. He pulled out some people that he elected unto salvation, protected them from the judgment, judged everything else, washed the world clean, started it over by the same word. That's powerful. And then by the same word, he's keeping creation until the final day of judgment. It's like you can scoff all you want, but history has shown that this God that you're mocking is infinitely more powerful than you can imagine. And he promises to be a just God. You know, a lot of people scream for justice. I'll, I'll echo John MacArthur here. I don't think we really want justice. Justice will send us to hell. We want mercy. We need God to be merciful. At no point has he ever been unjust to anybody. But the fact that we're standing here as his beloved means that he's been merciful to far more people than, 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 he, than he needed to be. Didn't have to save any one of us, but he's merciful. But consistently, he's always been just. Consistently. And Peter goes on to say, don't make, he's written in so many words, he says, don't make these same mistakes as the scoffers. Don't overlook these facts. Don't overlook the fact that God is powerful. Don't overlook the fact that God has been consistent throughout the ages. And I like this, this, this verse, and I want to address something here. I, I, I love when he talks about how one day with the Lord is as a thousand years 
and a thousand years is just one day. Now, folks will take that verse and they'll be like, hey, that means that it took him 7,000 years to create the earth. No, that's not what that means. That's not what that's pointing to. This is actually a reference back to Psalms 90 and 4. And basically, it's telling us that this all-powerful God who is sustaining creation by his word, who has judged creation by his word, who is keeping creation by his word, the same powerful God is sovereign over the time that he created. I, I, I love blowing. I work with teenage, at-risk teenage girls, and they always come with that question. Well, how did, who invented God? I was like, nobody invented him. Well, how did he get to be God? Well, you got to understand there was no such thing as time until he created it. It blows their mind. They don't know what to say after that. They just walk away drooling. Like, I don't get what just happened. Right? He's sovereign over time. His perspective is different from ours. You may have been suffering with something for years. And you may be feeling tired. And you may be feeling weary. You may feel like, man, God does not care about me. But you got to understand, that suffering is not meaningless. He's working something for his glory. And we can trust that he will deliver one way some shape some form or fashion you from whatever it is that you're suffering from i mean look at the children of israel how many years were they in bondage how many years did they cry out for deliverance and in due time in god's time he works the miracle of deliverance from egypt right oftentimes you know it's funny oftentimes like he he, he, he moves you in such a way to put yourself into a place of suffering or into a place of impossibility. Gideon in the 300, can you imagine being told, hey, I need you to go and fight these soldiers, and here they are in the thousands, the tens of thousands, and you come in with an army that's, that's, that can match theirs? You know what I mean? You, 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 got all, you, got all your, you got all your people, and then it's like, eh, you got too many people on your team. Get rid of them. It dwindles you down to 300 people. To go up against tens of thousands. That's an impossible situation. America would never go to war with an army that big with only 300 people. Now we can make a dope movie about it and it's like, oh snap, the A-team is only six men. They went against tens of thousands and they won. Like, yeah, that's, that's fake. That doesn't happen, right? That's not real life. That's a good movie. No, that doesn't happen. No, no he, he, he sends him in in this impossible situation just to show that he's strong. And he does this consistently. He puts people, he, he puts people in this position where it seems like there's no hope, and then he steps right in. He's like, I'm gonna just show you how easy this is for me. Keep the party going. And Bob, next thing you know it, you got a praise report. But sometimes, yo, there's 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 some dark nights in the midst of all of that. And sometimes we're put into these positions. And you have no choice but to trust God. There's nothing else that you can do. You have, you, you have no money. You have no power. You have no help. Whatever the case may be, you have nothing left to do but to trust God. And I'm saying that you can trust him. His perspective is different from ours when it comes to time. And having said all of that, he's not slow to fulfill his promise. He's patient towards us. I'm at the start of timer. I don't know how long I've been up here, and I'm trying to be real careful about my time. I'm just going to keep it real. Because, there, because there's something here in this verse I'd love to address. 
because um, <laughs> a lot of people use this verse to kind of uh, to push a universal atonement. Basically saying that, hey, you know, Jesus went to the cross and his, his death made salvation merely possible. But we need the power of fallen human beings to make a righteous decision to therefore make the, the, the salvation applicable. Which so I say, like, no, the scripture doesn't really teach that. His atonement was definite. His atonement, his atonement was particular. He had, he had you, if indeed you have been saved or will be saved. He had you in mind. He's focusing you on a, on a cross. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is, is because there's a contrast between people here in this text. There's the beloved and then there's like the unbelievers and the scoffers. And the unbelievers and the scoffers have judgment set aside for them, whereas the beloved has God's patience. And, and, and God's ultimate goal of glorification for the believer, that's going to be a, a, a reality. It's as good as a reality now, even though you haven't been glorified. Yet, like it's, it's as good as done because God said it. He's never been a God. There's no place in the Bible where you can look at and where you can pull. I challenge anybody to find one where God was not a God of his word. If he made a promise, if he said, hey, this is what I'm going to do, this is exactly what he did. And yes, it may have taken some time. Yes, it took Abraham 25 years to finally have that little seed. Did Abraham see his children become as numbered as the stars and so forth? No. He died with one son. I don't even think he got to meet his grandchildren. Y'all can correct me on that later. Right? He didn't get to see that. But did God keep his promise? Sure did. Sure did. God is not slow to fulfill his promise. He's patient towards us. He's patient towards you. Who are you? You are the beloved. You are the beloved that's something intimate there, right? To be called beloved by God. Knowing all of the crap that I got on my track record, because there's a lot there. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. Ain't nothing special about me. I'm going to be honest with you. Ain't nothing special about me but the God that I serve. There's a lot of crap. Knowing all of that, for him to call me beloved. Jeez. To be called beloved, even in the midst of my suffering, y'all have no idea how tired I am right now with all the things that I have on my plate. I got a newborn baby at home who has no respect for my sleep. And, And as she is screaming in the middle of the night, I think about the goodness of God. Because y'all don't know the journey that me and my wife went through when it came to pregnancies, we've had quite a few miscarriages and one of them was really bad because we, because we, we, we found out we were having a girl on Monday on Wednesday. We named her Genesis joy Ray on Friday. We lost her. And then while we were upstairs in the hospital, losing our baby, my father was once there below us stage three stomach cancer in the hospital. Cause he had just had a heart attack. There was some suffering there. We didn't, we, and, and what was, what's amazing is I didn't lose my mind. And it's not because I was smart enough to keep it. It's because God is gracious enough. He was gracious enough to keep me because I'm his beloved. 
See, I'm not, I'm not just saying some stuff that I heard people talk about. I know this intimately. It's something beautiful about being his beloved. And we can rest on the fact that I'm his beloved. Yes, it may suck right now for you in some area of your life, but you are beloved of God. I'm reminded of the 23rd Psalm, this, this, this story that my father used to, there's a couple of things my father has always said about the 23rd Psalm. The first thing is, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, man, if you can't claim those first five words, you might as well just ignore the rest of the psalm. It's like, it's, it's not even for you, right? But there's this story he used to tell me about. There was like this convention where they had all these theologians and so forth there. They were gathered, and this young scholar gets up, and from memory, he recites the 23rd Psalm. And when he's done, stand in ovation. He recited that. You better recite. You know, they, they was excited for it, right? Stand in ovation, right? Later on, this older gentleman comes up and he ends up reading the same song. And when he got done, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. People just snotting at what they just heard come out of this man's mouth. And the young man who read it leans over to the other minister and he says, to another minister, and he says, what was the difference? And he says, well, you know the song. That guy knows the shepherd. There was something intimate there. And when you look at this psalm, right, we, we quote it all the time. I hate that people have turned it into such a, a cliche, you know, saying, I'm going to get that tatted on me, right? Like, there, like there's something very profound in that song. He leads me beside the still waters and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Right after that, we see, yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd is leading us in the paths of righteousness that just so happens to go through the valley of the shadow of death. As you're following a shepherd, there's going to be some times where you're going to have some heartbreak. There's going to be some times where you're going to have some turmoil and chaos in your life, some broken relationships, some sicknesses. Some losses maybe due financially and so forth. There may be some nights where you may have to go to bed hungry. There may be some nights where you're not going to know where you have to lay your next head. That, it, it happens. But the shepherd is leading you. And what I'm saying is, what the psalmist is saying is that you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. You don't have to let that keep you up at night. You can trust that the shepherd will take care of you. You can trust that the shepherd will fulfill his promise. What is his promise? He says, I will never leave nor forsake you. I don't know what y'all are going through. I don't know your stories. I don't need to. What I do know is, is that God is a God of his word and that you can go down to sleep tonight easily resting on the promises that he has made And that one day, when it's all said and done, we'll be carried home into glory before his throne, eternal fellowship with other believers, never having to worry about warring anymore in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We will know peace eternal. 
We will know love eternal. We will know joy everlasting. If there are any tears, there will be tears of joy. Knowing that we're standing before a holy God with whom we have no right to stand before. But yet he loved us so. He loved us so. I said, I love y'all to life. I can't imagine sacrificing any of my children for y'all. Although in the middle of the night, sometimes I consider it, but (laughs) I can't imagine sacrificing any of my children for y'all. And yet he sends his only, I have five. He sends his only begotten, his only begotten to go to what seemed to be an ugly cross and be crushed by the righteous wrath of the father for our sakes. And after being crushed, after taking on our sin, which is the most uneven trade I've ever heard in history, takes our sin and in return gives us his righteous robe so that we can stand before the Father and be called beloved. What more can I say? Trust God. Be encouraged. Lean and depend on him. I know I'm not promising an easy life. That's ridiculous. The scripture doesn't promise that. What he does promise is, is that God's grace is sufficient. What he does promise is, is that we can bear these things through Christ. If we lean and depend on him for our strength, let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we, Lord, we thank you. You have been faithful in times where we weren't. You have been gracious in times where we didn't deserve. Even now, even now, Father God, regardless of whatever it is that we're going through, we have no doubt that you are still good, that you are still on the throne. And Lord, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice right now who is struggling with that, who is struggling with believing, I ask right now, Lord, that you, that you fill their hearts with hope, that you remind them that you are not a God who has these cosmic butterfingers constantly dropping the ball, but rather that you have capable hands, that you are holding creation together by your word. So, Lord, we ask that you help us to keep our minds. Lord, we ask that you be our peace. We ask, Father God, that you be our salvation, that you be our father, that you be our shepherd, that you be our deliverer, that you be our healer. That you be our God. Lord, I pray for peace in the hearts and minds of the hero today. I pray that that you help them walk out of here today reassured that you are not slow to fulfill your promise, but that you are consistently the promise fulfiller. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.